And sorry, I know you guys wanted to clap, but everything I'm going to say is going to be amazing. Um, <laughs> how do you pay, man? Uh, if you don't write checks, how do you pay these guys? Great cash, homie. Mama, there goes that. Hello and welcome to Carson Sack Podcast, where we talk balls. This is episode 64, coming at you live. Thank you for tuning in and listening. We have a great show lined up for you this week if you are listening. We have a mail sack full of some great questions from you, the listeners. We have a NFL preview and recap of last week, and we have, of course, as always, the college football preview and recap of what happened last week. And, I, yeah, we'll talk a little NCAA basketball at the end because things are sort of picking up a little bit after the first week, so we'll look a little bit into that and talk a little bit about the NCAA um, suspension slash investigation into Memphis's program. So let's get right into this week's sack with the mail sack segment. Before I do that, I do need to remind you all to like, rate, review, subscribe, any other of that good stuff on iTunes, SoundCloud, or wherever else you might get your podcast from. So now let's, without further ado, get into this week's mail sack of listener questions. First question comes from Matthew Ewells. Thank you, Ewells, for sending this in. Should the Bengals get the number one pick in the draft, which player would most likely to turn the program around? The thing with the Bengals is right now they are tracking for the number one pick, and there are really, I think, only two options with that number one pick. You're either going to go with a quarterback or you're going to go with Chase Young from Ohio State, who was shown to be the best defensive player in the country. And with the way the Bengals are trending, I think they're just going to want to make a splash and a big statement, and they're going to take Tua. And Tua is a great player, impacts the game in so many ways, and is a winner, proven winner, shown up in big moments time in and time out throughout his career, barring last Saturday against LSU, but even then he played a good game, just team didn't win. But I don't think anybody is going to fault the Bengals for taking Tua because for so many, since he really came onto the scene, he's been thought of as a guy that could come in and change your culture, change your team, and get a bad team back to winning ways. And he's so, um, he's a winner. He's shown that already and I expect that to translate to the pro level as well. You could also argue Chase Young, even though he's not going to be the sexy pick as a quarterback, he is probably the best player in the draft. So either way, I think either one of those could turn the team around, especially because the Bengals do need a lot of help on the defensive side of the ball. If they were to take Chase Young, that would help them immensely. Pair him up with his old Ohio State teammate and Sam Hubbard and continue to build that defense around 
a new revamped defensive line with those two as your cornerstones could be very impressive and very good. But I think the sexier pick and the pick that the Bengals fans and what the organization is ultimately going to do is probably take Tua if he is there and that is who they're wanting to make a splash at the quarterback position because that offense, it's not terrible. It has pieces. You have Joe Mixon. You have Tyler Boyd. Um, John Ross, when he's healthy, he's shown this year that he does have that big playability that they drafted him for. A.J. Green, I understand he's 31, hasn't played at all this year, but when he does play, it's going to be hard to argue that he's not at least a top 10 receiver in the NFL. Tyler Eifert has looked the best he has in years because he's finally staying healthy. Let's knock on wood on that. But... Yeah, I think to sum all this up, answer your question, Yules, if they were going to do the draft right now, I think they do take Tua just because they need the quarterback more after they have just totally disrespected um, Andy Dalton like that and Benson for Finley. So I'm going to uh, say Tua would probably be the player right now that would turn their program around. Next question we have comes from Maeve Armstrong, who asks, what's the T with Kawhi not playing? Load management, baby. That's what it is. Um, load management is the NBA coaches and team's fancy way of saying, hey, we don't really care about our fans. We just want to keep our players healthy for the playoffs, which is fine. Like, There's nothing wrong with that. Um, Kawhi and other players had load management last year. It worked for them. Kawhi obviously going on and being the finals MVP, winning the finals with the war with the uh, Raptors over the Warriors. Load management, again, just a fancy way of saying we're going to sit our star player on a second night of a back-to-back or something like that. I don't – I personally don't care, like, at all if there is load management I could see how some people that if they do go to a game and they're there to see and they paid money and they're there to see big stars play and they don't play, how that would piss people off and bother people. But to me, I don't. I don't care because I'm just watching them on TV. And at the end, I just want to see good basketball in the playoffs. And if sitting Kawhi in the middle of November in a back-to-back, the second night of a back-to-back is going you think is going to help him stay rested for the playoffs by all means please do it I do not care continue to do it um it is potentially going to see um how the NBA handles and deals with this because there has been fines and issues in the past with just resting your starters and the NBA we're gonna need to see them take a more proactive approach to I don't want to say fining, but discipline, disciplining uh, teams that are actively just load managing. So there's there's the T, not really piping hot like we all wanted it to be. So I apologize. Next question comes from Kennedy Poston, who asks, in a quite vague question, college basketball predictions, anything crazy? Which I had to further ask for, I guess, a more specific question she said any upsets you think are coming um i none are like really jumping out at me and catching my eye or anything like that um 
I think maybe UK will struggle when they have to play Utah. Utah's been putting up a lot of points. Um, besides, really, like nothing is. Memphis tonight plays Oregon. I think Memphis is probably going to win that game. That's not an upset though because they're ranked higher. Um, upset last night, my St. Mary's Gales ended up losing to Winthrop at St. Mary's. Uh, bad look for the program after the Gales were able to open up the season 1-0, beating Wisconsin in South Dakota. Um, no, I apologize that this is not a better answer for you, Kennedy, but at the moment, nothing is really catching my eye as something, as an upset. I mean, you could look at Florida State beating Florida um, last week as an upset. Florida was top 10 in the country. Florida State struggled in their first game. And now Florida State, I think, has won the last six or eight meetings against those two teams. So pretty impressive. But right away, no, like I don't have any predict like super crazy predictions for you. I'm sorry. Moving on, we have another Bengals question from Evan Deaver who asks, "Is this the worst Bengals team of all time?" And what I've seen, yeah. Um, it's I'll tell you right now. I think obviously you can look back in hindsight, and it's very easy to critique things like that. But Marvin Lewis, Andy Dalton. They don't look so bad right now, do they? I can, I promise you, I can make this guarantee. Marvin Lewis would not be 0-8 with this team. They probably might. I'm not saying they'd be a totally different team, but I think they'd be a lot better than what they are. And I get, really, the defense is bad, but Marvin Lewis has always been a defensive-minded head coach, so that defense would have been playing probably better. The offense still needs, like, Marvin Lewis wouldn't have benched Andy Dalton. Zach Taylor shouldn't have benched Andy Dalton to fucking begin with. I can't stress that enough. Andy Dalton is a good NFL quarterback. I have said that a billion times on this podcast, and I will continue to say it. AJ Green being out, yes, that hurts, but the rest of that offense was good enough and is good enough to put up points and score and be effective. So, in is this the worst? Um... Bengals team of all time yeah I, it probably is and I think looking back on it now we need to I think the Bengals need to Bengals fans need to sit back and appreciate more of what Marvin Lewis was able to give that city with that team because now you're sitting here with Zach Taylor at 0-8 or 0-9 or whatever you are after this week um you're playing Ryan Finley a backup quarterback your star receivers out your defense is terrible just Marvin Lewis wouldn't have done that. He would have probably, I'm guessing, probably at least had three or four wins by now. But that's that's just me. Okay, moving on. I was surprised Deaver didn't ask a Suns question because he's been a Suns fan for a while now, and they are one of the better stories in the NBA right now. So I told him that, and so he sent in a follow-up with, Are the Suns the sleeper in the West? They've proven they can win without Aiden. When Waiton gets back, not many teams will want to see them in the playoffs. To follow up on this, yeah, the Suns have played extremely well so far through the first nine games. The record, 6-3. and three. The team themselves, number one in assists, number one in field goal percentage. They're number four in three-point percentage. They're number five in scoring. And Devin Booker, who got paid and is still super young and still developing and looks like to be one of the best young players in the NBA, he's scoring 25 points a game, shooting 
um, from the field goals, from the range, excuse me, 54% field goal percentage for him. They bring in Ricky Rubio. He is helping facilitate the offense even more. And then when you get DeAndre Ayton back, one of the better young centers in the NBA in his second year, whenever that does, whenever he is able to come back from a suspension, yeah, the Suns are something you need to take serious and be concerned about in the West. I'm not saying they're going to go out and win the West, but the, for, throughout the entire year, if they can continue their play and continue to develop, and the coach, I think the coach, I, I'll be honest with you, I don't know the coach's name, but what I've always thought was an issue for Phoenix was they just had guys in there that they couldn't get the team to buy into what they were selling, and it looks like so far through this year, um, that has been the case, that they have been buying into what this coach wants them to do. So yeah, again, competing for a playoff spot is extremely realistic, um, but not anywhere near like I think winning the West right now just because of how young they are and what else the other teams in the West have, but an extremely fun team to watch and an extremely dangerous team to watch. So yeah, Steve, your sons are in a very good position right now through nine games. The next question comes from Davis Canapel. Who says, hot take, Browns sweep division opponents the rest of the way, take down the Finns and the Skins, and a wild card spot. Well, Dave, uh, it's not a question. That would be a lovely thing to see. I will. T- I guess I can talk about the Browns right now. Um, yeah, the game they had last week against the Bills was the definition of must win, and Their defense came to play. The offense at times against a very good defense in the Bills was able to control the ball. Nick Chubb is quickly becoming one of the better running backs in the NFL. If he hasn't already established himself as that, um, he was able to run all over Buffalo's defense. Baker didn't look terrible. He was able to make big plays, get the ball in the right position at times. Um... It's crazy. I tweeted this out, and I say it here. It's crazy what happens when you play Rashad Higgins. The guy is, I think, the perfect complementary piece for the three wideout sets. Him and Baker have a connection that, like, you can go back to looking last year when it was just Landry and Higgins. I would say Baker sort of favored Higgins a little bit last year. I don't have the number to support that. That's just from a viewer's perception that I would see um they have something I don't know why he hasn't been playing I have no but big game big moment he catches the game winning touchdown pass the Browns do sort of get lucky there at the end to have uh Hauschka miss after their defense was a bit spotty um on that last drive Denzel Ward played extremely well against I understand lesser receivers but he was able to lock their guys down as well I'm not saying what Davis said is out of the possibility. It's going to be hard, especially because the Steelers team that the Browns do play Thursday night, their defense is looking incredible, and they're able to force turnovers at the drop of a hat, and the Browns have struggled with turnovers this year, so that concerns me to go with his prediction. The Browns are going to have to host the Ravens as well. That's a scary game because I think maybe the Ravens are going to come and which is crazy because the Browns went to the Ravens and won just seeing how well the Ravens have played the last couple weeks who they beat in the Seahawks and then beating the Patriots um having them just be pretty much dominated by the Browns is crazy to think about but 
Um, the Browns also do get the Bengals twice, so that's a possibility. The Dolphins are terrible. The Redskins aren't great either. It's not out of the question that the Browns could do this, um, but I don't, I don't know about it. It's not really a question either, but Dave, I appreciate you uh, sending this in. Next, from uh, Lexi Long, who asks, how good is OSU? Uh, pretty fucking good, it seems. I understand they played Maryland last week, but uh, to put up 70-plus points against anybody, uh, that's pretty impressive, and they were able to do that. So uh, pretty, pretty damn good. Let's see. Let's continue on here. That takes care of the Snapchat questions. We have a question, another Bengals question, this time from Casey Diamond, who asks, will the Bengals win a game this year? They have to, right? Like, at some point, um, they get an easier schedule down the line. Um, they have to. Like, I don't – this team has so much talent to go 0-16, and the coaching isn't – I mean, I don't think Zach Taylor is a bad coach. So, uh, you get at least one, right? You you have to. Next, this last question comes from Zach Berger, who asks, what NFL teams do you see making those last wild card spots in each division? Um, Yeah. I don't... It's hard to say right now because it's only week 10 or 11 right now, and so there are... There is still time. Um, in the NFC, you got to think whoever doesn't win the NFC West between the um, Seahawks and the 49ers, one of those teams is going to get it. And then I could easily see one of the teams between the Cowboys and the Eagles, whoever doesn't win that, getting the second one. You can also look... Um, NFC South doesn't have anybody else that's contending. The NFC West, you saw the Rams that they're not terrible, but they haven't looked as good as they have been. The NFC North, it's pretty much, I mean, the Packers and the Vikings. So one of those two teams is going to have to not be able to win the division. So one of those teams could come in and slide over. So um, it's going to be crazy on the NFC side and the AFC side. I can't even begin to dive into because of how many teams have that possibility, but I mean, I mean, look at it. The Steelers, maybe if they go on a run, the Browns, maybe if they go on a run, the Raiders are still in it. Um, the Bills are still going to be there. Whoever doesn't win the AFC South between the Colts and the Texans, they're going to be there. So there's a lot of factors left. Um, it's surely to be an exciting race. I'm going to love trying to keep up with it and watch it. And we're almost there to the point where it's going to be on SportsCenter and stuff where it's, oh, the Team X will make the playoffs if Team A ties with Team C, but Team C loses to Teams D, A, and all this other shit that they lined up the hypothetical situations with. It always puts my mind in a pretzel, but um, still a little too early, I think, to tell. But I think the NFC, because Berger is a Packers fan, and I think he is maybe asking a little bit about that. I still think the Packers can end up winning that NFC North because I still don't trust Kirk Cousins at all. So I wouldn't be too concerned about the wild card. I would still stay focused on winning the NFC North if I was you, Berger. But thank you for sending in your question.
I appreciate everyone that sent in mail sack questions this week. It'll be back in two weeks. Well, net, yeah, in two weeks. So thank you and get your questions ready for that. We now switch our focus to college football. Going to talk a little bit about really just two games that happened um, last week. You just need to look really at the Penn State and Minnesota game. That was sort of billed as the second big game of last week. Um, Minnesota comes out, and I, I'm i still not sold on Minnesota. They play Iowa this week at Iowa. I think Iowa's going to win, but let me talk to you a little bit about last week. I think it was a perfect storm for Penn State to lose. Um, big Biggest game in the P.J. Fleck era so far at Minnesota. I think he is still just like a used car salesman. I don't, I don't buy what he is selling ever. Um, noon game, biggest game for Minnesota. The fans in the crowd were extremely into it. Minnesota comes out early and gets a, a lead and is able to hold that lead. And the fans are able to stay in it and were able to impact the game. Um, I do want to say this. Minnesota won this game. Penn State did not lose it. So I give credit to Minnesota for going out and winning this game, but I think there were a lot of intangibles that certainly helped Minnesota. You look at the numbers, um, Minnesota's quarterback, Morgan, was 18 for 20, so he had himself a fucking ball game. And on those 18 completions, 329 yards, three touchdowns, Minnesota's defense, um, no question marks really about that defense all year, but they were able to intercept Clifford three times on Saturday. Um, so I'm giving all the credit to Minnesota, but I'm still not sold on them completely. So congrats to them on that big win. But continuing on, I think you're you're going to see a – Bit of a hangover for Minnesota this coming week, I think, against Iowa. When they have to go to Iowa, I think Iowa ends up winning that game, actually. So that's my prediction and preview for that. So we can talk. That's taken care of for the preview this week. And then the big game, obviously the one everybody was looking forward to. LSU, second in the country, went to the third ranked at the time, Alabama Crimson Tide. And the first time in eight years, LSU was able to get the victory 46-41 to over the Tide. Joe Burrow, I think, ultimately cemented himself as the Heisman winner in this game. As long as he doesn't go out and, like, die in the next three games, and especially if he goes out and has a monster game in the SEC Championship against whoever they play. Um, Burrow, 393 yards, three touchdowns, extremely efficient, threw the ball 39 times, completed it 31. Um, The running back for LSU, Edwards Hillary, uh, 20 carries, 103 yards, three touchdowns. Um, Chase, the receiver for LSU, 140 yards and a touchdown. On the opposite side, Tua uh, for Alabama after coming off his ankle surgery, 418 yards, four touchdowns. Uh, Harris, the running back for Alabama, 146 yards and a touchdown. And Smith, the receiver for Alabama, uh, 213 yards and two touchdowns. The narrative about this game for so many years has been just defense and low scoring. And this year, things just totally got flipped on its head, ending with a combined 87 total points. The, The score... 
the final shows a five-point game, but LSU controlled this game and was in control the entire time. They were up at half by a large amount. Um, Alabama is not the same Alabama that they were a couple years ago this year. I'm not saying they can't be a dangerous team and potentially find themselves in the playoff and get hot and win the whole thing. I'm certainly not saying that, but the defense is not what it was and what it is used to. Um, at the start of the year, they lost a linebacker, and that has really affected them, and the team um, isn't playing up to Alabama, stand, Alabama standards that it has. Um, it's all offense, and really the identity for the Crimson Tide the last couple of years. It's been defense with, yes, obviously a complimentary offense because two has been so good, but the defense is not where it needs to be to be a national champion. And I'll say that. And I could think I you could say that for both these teams because, I mean, four touchdowns, 400 yards um, on LSU. Obviously, they show they can score, and it doesn't ultimately matter at times because Joe Burrow is going to be able to get them in the position to put points on the board and mask um, what their defensive issues are sometimes. But, and I, I was going to say, when you play a good team, but Alabama is a good team, and they went to Alabama and won. Um, the college football rankings come out tonight as I'm recording this on Tuesday. Uh, it would shock me if LSU is not number one. And speaking as an Ohio State fan, that's totally fine. Yeah, I would obviously prefer to play the fourth seed, which right now, who the hell knows what that's going to be. Uh, but as long as you're in the college football playoff, I'm totally fine with that. Um, so Joe Burrow, once again, just some takeaways from this. Pretty much as long as he doesn't die is probably going to be your Heisman winner. LSU is the number one seed in the college football playoff rankings. Obviously, I think that's a no-brainer. And Alabama, not out of it yet. That is really the big takeaways. And you could argue Alabama might have, I mean, they don't, they have Auburn, which I don't fuck with Auburn at all. I don't think they're really that great. Um, But... They have Auburn at the end of the year, and if they were able to win that, that's their best win. That's not really that great once you take into account that Auburn still has to play um, LSU, I I believe. No, they already played LSU. Auburn has to play somebody, Georgia, and, I mean, that could, maybe, I don't know. They could win that. I'm going to have to look at some numbers and talk about that a little bit later on, but to me, just Auburn as your best win isn't really that great of a win. And I understand with the college football playoff, they want the four best teams, not the four that are just the best resume. They want the best teams, which is why I think Ohio State last year was left out because they weren't the best, one of the four best teams. They had a great resume, um, a better resume than some people, but... That's always the four best teams, and Alabama this year still could potentially be one of the four best teams, despite a resume that is going to lack than what some of the other teams in the contention for the college football playoff is going to have. So now, um, that was a recap. Just want to talk about that a little bit. Now we look to this week coming up. Um, 
this I'll touch on the Ohio State Rutgers game. I'm not really concerned about that. Really just need to talk about the Chase Young situation. Chase Young suspended indefinitely. And when you say indefinitely, that really kind of scares some people for taking a loan from a family friend to get a plane ticket for his girlfriend to see him play in the Rose Bowl. I don't have a problem with this. I don't think anybody else really had a problem with it besides the NCAA. Still waiting on like the information on how long the suspension is going to be. I've seen anywhere from four that that's officially what he's been suspended. And Ohio State is going to re- appeal that and maybe get it reduced to where it's two games, which very conveniently it happens to be the two worst games on Ohio State's schedule of Maryland and Rutgers. So that would be amazing if he could come back um, for the Penn State game. Ryan Day has said Ohio State is preparing like Chase Young is going to be able to play this week. So maybe that's a good sign. Um, Ohio State can beat Penn State without him. I would still really like to have him back, especially for the Michigan game, because this probably be his last Ohio State-Michigan game, and like him to go out and have a good going away, beating Michigan-type game. So that's really, I mean, there's nothing really I could say about it that hasn't been said. We just have to wait for the um, consequences and the decision by the NCAA for what they decide. But Ohio State, if... I mean, the spread is 52.5. I thought 44.5 was a lot for Maryland. I would be shocked if Ohio State doesn't cover this against Rutgers. Next, you have Kentucky going to Vanderbilt. I think Kentucky is due. Vanderbilt's a bad team. Even with Kentucky's really one-dimensional offense, they should be able to go to Vanderbilt and get the win. Moving on, Alabama goes to Mississippi State. Please pray for the Bulldogs because they are uh, in trouble. Indiana goes to Penn State. Penn State coming off the loss to Minnesota. Um, Penix, the quarterback for Indiana, is out for the year. Indiana was gaining some momentum um, in the middle part of the season, but I think coming off the loss, Penn State comes out and puts up um, big numbers against Indiana and gets the win. Michigan State goes to Michigan. It's a rivalry game. Anything can happen, but Michigan State is trending downwards. Michigan is trending upwards. It's hard for me to pick against the Wolverines in this one. Uh, Oklahoma State hosts Kansas. Going to be a closer game than what people expect, but Oklahoma State does win that one. Navy, 24th in the country, goes to number 15, Notre Dame. Um, My whole philosophy with um, games with teams that run the triple option when it's a middle tier or like a lesser opponent that triple option is going to affect them and that navy or whatever team it is that runs a triple option probably going to win but when a triple option team goes up against a perennial powerhouse most of the time in college football like a notre dame or anything like that the athleticism and the coaching should be able to offset 
what that triple option does. So I'm going to go with Notre Dame over Navy in this one. Uh, Wake Forest goes to Clemson. Wake Forest without Sturgeon or however you say the guy's name. Um, that's a big loss for them, and I think Clemson um, is going to find themselves in the college football playoff rankings um, now, and I think they're going to go out and make a big statement. Now, this next game is Georgia going to Auburn. I said it earlier that I am not high on Auburn, but I think they can win this game. Auburn's defensive line is incredibly good. Georgia's offensive line is incredibly good. It, that's where the game was going to be won, and I think it being at Auburn helps a lot. Um, Bo Nix at home plays a lot better than he does on the road. Um, let's just go with Auburn. Let's just ride it out with Auburn. I mean, Georgia's only favored by two and a half. It's going to be a fun, good game. It's a CBS 330 game. I always feel like those games are just like so fucking boring, but they're not. At least it wasn't last week. Maybe this week it won't be either, but I'm going to go with Auburn over Georgia. Next, Minnesota goes to Iowa. Again, I'm riding with Iowa in that one. And then LSU goes to Ole Miss. Pray for the Rebels. Louisville goes to NC State. Louisville coming off the loss where Williams for Miami threw six touchdowns. Can't have that. North Carolina State all year has been a little questionable. Had Has had its up and downs. I'm going to go with NC State in this one just because... Just because I don't want Louisville to win. Okay, I'll be honest with you. I don't. Um, continuing on, Arizona goes to Oregon. Cleo Tate in this game um, could have a big day. But ultimately, I think Oregon does continue keeping this podcaster's uh, predictions right for another week, and they can they win and keep their playoff hopes alive. We now shift our focus to the NFL, and I'm going to go through these a little bit quickly for this upcoming week. Um, Thursday night, you have the Steelers going to the Browns, both teams coming off a win. Um, a real must-win for both of these teams, honestly. I am going to go with the Steelers to go to the Browns and beat them because of how well and how often the Steelers' defense is able to get turnovers and the Browns being so prone to turnovers. Next, you have the Cowboys going to the Lions. If Matthew Stafford is out, um, Driscoll for the Lions last week looked extremely shaky. Um, The Cowboys rebound after the loss on Sunday night to the Vikings, and they get the win. Continuing on, we look at the Jaguars going to the Colts. If Jacoby Brissett is back, I think this is a no-brainer that the Colts win. Uh, Their defense is still extremely good at stopping the run. They're going to be facing Leonard Fournette, who's had a resurgence so far this year. So that's going to be a matchup uh, that is going to probably determine this game as well. Nick Foles also is coming back and replacing Gardner Minshew. It'll be interesting to see how he responds to the time off and the injury and getting the rust off. I think the Colts' defense can probably force a turnover or two on Nick Foles just because of him adjusting to getting back after all that time off. So I'm going to go with the Colts picking up a much needed win than the AFC South. The Bills go to the Dolphins in our next game. The Bills coming off a loss going to Miami. Um, It's to me a no-brainer that with how good of a defense the Bills do have and being able to force turnovers like they do, I'm going to go with the Bills over the Dolphins. The Broncos go to the Vikings. The Vikings are just on this continuous roll, and I think that roll is going to continue. But ultimately, I'm still very concerned with what 
they have at Kirk Cousins quarterback. He's shown a couple times a year that, yeah, he can win on primetime games and in bigger games so far, but I still think the old Kirk Cousins is due to come out sooner or later, just not this week. The Vikings and their defense take care of the Broncos. Next, you have the Saints going to the Buccaneers. The Buccaneers last week finally getting a home win for the first time since week 13 of last year. Unfortunately, they host the Saints coming off a loss, and I think that loss is really going to reset and refocus the Saints team. They had a lot of guys coming back, um, still shaking off the rust. I mean, they got Kamara back and a couple other guys back last week. Getting their rust shaken off last week um, took some time to adjust. The offense really didn't get anything going for the Saints. And again, I think... That was sort of a wake-up call that they needed. So the Saints go down to Tampa Bay and end up getting the win. I hate this next game so damn much. The Jets go to the Redskins. Let's pick the Redskins. Darius Geis is going to be back. Dwayne Haskins, his second game back. That Jets defense is susceptible to big plays at times. Maybe Geis, McCorn, Haskins, maybe Vernon Davis. If he gets involved, Jordan Reed, uh, he's still hurt. Vernon Davis, if he comes back and uh, can make a few plays, I don't know. Maybe, maybe that... Redskins team can get a win. Uh, continuing on, we look at the Falcons and the Panthers. Panthers are going to win this game. The Falcons are going to come in this game. Um, I like uh, winning with the win last week against the Saints as like a little hangover. Um, and the Panthers. The Panthers are a good team, and I'm shocked at how good Kyle Allen is playing. He had them. A chance to win in Lambeau, snowing. That's hard to do. It's difficult to do. Christian McCaffrey is playing at an MVP number type level. I think that continues against this normally pretty shitty Falcons defense. So I'm going to go with the Panthers over the Falcons in this NFC South matchup. Next, you have the Texans at the Ravens. This is going to be the game of the week. It's going to be incredible. Both of these quarterbacks are going to go and put on a masterful display. I am going to actually go with the Texans to be able to go to Baltimore and get the win. I think uh, DeAndre Hopkins is going to be able to have a big game. Will Fuller as well. And then... The Texans defense going is going to be able to slow down the complementary pieces of the run game besides Lamar Jackson um, and force Lamar Jackson, which he has shown, yes, he can um, make plays and win you games. I'm not arguing that, but I think Lamar uh, makes one little turnover, one little mistake here and there, and Deshaun Watson plays an incredible game, and the Texans do end up beating the Ravens. The Cardinals go to the 49ers. This is the second time these teams are playing in the last three weeks. I'm going to go with the 49ers after their tough, hard-fought loss against the Seahawks last week on Monday Night Football. Um, the 49ers are just the better team, and I ultimately think uh, they do get the job done, even though it was a close game the last time these two teams played the Bengals go to the Raiders the Raiders are an extremely surprising team so far this year um it's 10 and a half I really don't think they're going to cover that this is not a gambling podcast but I do think the Raiders are able to beat the lowly 0-9 Bengals next you have the Patriots going to the Eagles Patriots are going to win this game um coming off the bye I, that's asking for trouble if you are uh facing the Patriots but expect the Eagles to keep it a little closer than expected, but the Patriots do end up winning. On Monday night, on Sunday night, excuse me, you have the Bears going to the Rams. Both of these teams are in desperate need of a win. Uh, Jared Goff just plays better at home. And I know this Bears defense is good, but that Bears offense is terrible. I don't think they're going to be able to get things going. 
enough to stay up with what Jared Goff is going to be able to score. So I'm going to go with the Rams over the Bears on Sunday night. Moving on, we have the last one, the Chiefs at the Chargers. Let's go with the Chiefs after a stunning, which uh, I picked, I did pick. The Titans over the Chiefs. Go back and check the tapes. I did do that. Um, the Chiefs are going to beat the Chargers on Monday night. I am so over Phillip Rivers and everything. Just over him. He's not that good anymore. He is getting a lot of the benefit of the doubt that Eli Manning didn't get. Um, I'm, I'm not comparing those two, their numbers, but the style of playing they're playing that Eli, before he got benched, and what Philip Rivers is sort of doing now, it's pretty similar, and Philip is getting a lot of the benefit of the doubt. So uh, I don't think they're going to be able to score with the Chiefs, even though that Chiefs defense is shitty, real bad, and that Chargers defense is real good and could keep them in this game a little bit. I mean, uh, last year the Chargers did end up winning this game um, late in the year, but I'm going to go with the Chiefs in this one. That wraps up the NFL. I did say I would talk a little bit about the NCAA basketball scene. So let's get into a couple games that are happening this week. Tomorrow, you have Villanova, 10th in the country, going to Ohio State, 16th in the country. Ohio State's going to be without Andre Wesson, who is a key piece for that team. Ohio State has struggled early on in games this year of getting points on the board. Um, They cannot have that slow start against Villanova or the game could get out of hand. Um, The game being at Ohio State, I would say helps, but Ohio State basketball fans are the fucking worst. Um, No support whatsoever half the time, um, even for a top 25 team. Crazy, I know, but uh, I think Villanova does go to Ohio State and gets the win. Um, LSU goes to VCU. VCU, a very sneaky team this year so far. I mean, they only have one game, but... um, uh, Deontay Jenkins, 14 points so far, is the leading scorer for VCU. And then uh, Sylvia for T- VCU is extremely good down low. And it being at VCU, I think they could give the Tigers a little bit of trouble. Um, on Thursday night, a great game uh, with two great point guards with Catchers Winston and Myers Powell. You have Michigan State playing Seton Hall. Um, I think Michigan State is ultimately going to get the win because they're a better all-around team, but that is going to be an extremely fun game to watch um, to see those two guards, senior guards, which you don't see a lot of anymore at these uh, like top 15 teams really anymore, but to see two seniors go at it like that at the guard position is going to be extremely fun to see on Thursday night. Let's see. Continuing on, there's not really any great ones on Thursday. Friday or Saturday, any on Sunday? No. Let's look at next Monday. Nope. Next Tuesday. No, because it's the early season and not that many top teams play each other. Um, Tonight, um, we'll talk about that. I'm predicting it's Oregon and Memphis, 14th Oregon, 13th Memphis. I'm going to go with Memphis, and I think I would say I would talk about the James Wiseman situation, and I can do that here. Um, the James Wiseman situation is really that Penny Hardaway, the coach of Memphis, not at the time he did this infraction, moved the Wiseman family from Nashville to Memphis, and at that time, Penny was thought of a booster. Um, they're playing... James Wiseman, which I have no problem with, but Penny Hardaway is handling this in a total 
awful way. He said he hasn't read the rule book, all this other shit. We knew Penny Hardaway was going to be a great recruiter. He's already showed that so far in the one recruiting class that he's had. And billing a second one, he's doing a great job there. But as a person that's representing the program um, on a level where you have to comply with the NCAA and do all this other stuff and sort of like tone things down, he's doing a god-awful job on that end. So uh, I don't think Penny's going to lose his job just because at the time he wasn't the Memphis coach and... He was really just looked at a booster, and I know that is against NCAA regulations, so maybe they'll take actions against him. Um, James Wiseman will probably sooner or later be, like, suspended for the entire year, more than likely, and we get to miss out on having potentially the number one pick um, get to watch him in college, which always sucks, and it's a shitty situation, but... Penny, you knew what you were going to get recruiting-wise. You thought you would get a little bit better um, professional-wise, and he just hasn't so far. I mean, when you literally say, oh, I didn't read the rule book about that, that's just such bullshit. Like, that's so stupid. But that's my uh, simple, humble opinion on that. All right. That does it for episode 64 of Carson Sack Podcast. I thank you, as always, for tuning in. I'll be back next week with episode 65. Thank you all for listening to Carson's Sack Podcast, where we talk balls as we always end here on the sack. We will be seeing you.